you're listening to Short Takes on Suicide Prevention, where experts talk to each other about how research is shaping suicide prevention. This podcast is brought to you by the VA Rocky Mountain Myrec. And now on to today's conversation. Hi, and welcome to the Rocky Mountain Myrec Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm Dr. Debbie Sorensen, a clinical research psychologist at the Rocky Mountain MIREC and the host of today's episode. And today I'm talking to my colleague, Dr. Sean Barnes, about his research on acceptance and commitment therapy for suicide prevention. Hi, Sean. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me on. First, let me introduce you to our listeners. Dr. Sean Barnes is a clinical research psychologist here at the Rocky Mountain MIREC for Veteran Suicide Prevention and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Colorado Denver School of Medicine. Sean is an acceptance and commitment therapy clinician and researcher. He's a national consultant with the VA's Suicide Risk Management Consultation Program, which provides free consultation, support, and resources for providers working with veterans at risk of suicide. Sean's research is focused on suicide prevention and recovery, including acceptance and commitment therapy for suicide and moral injury and suicide risk assessment. And all of his projects share a common goal of alleviating suffering and helping others build vital and meaningful lives. So Sean... You've been doing some research on an acceptance and commitment therapy intervention for working with clients who are at risk of suicide. It's called ACT for Life. Can you tell us a little bit about your ACT for Life intervention? Yeah, sure. Uh, So just briefly, uh, maybe before we dive in more, I just want to acknowledge that what we'll be talking about today, really the views are my own, even though I work for the VA and the research was funded by the VA um, what I'm saying doesn't necessarily represent the opinions of the VA. So I think maybe best place to start is uh, just talking a little bit about what acceptance and commitment therapy is. So that's what ACT uh, stands for, acceptance and commitment therapy. And that's a, a therapy approach that's been really used widely and has a good evidence base. I think they just passed over 600 randomized controlled trials using this type of therapy approach for a broad variety of problems. Really, the the intervention uses a mix of acceptance and mindfulness strategies together with some kind of more commitment and behavior change strategies to increase psychological flexibility, which is basically the, the ability to be present in the you know, present moment and aware of what's happening and either changing it or persisting in your behavior based on your values. So living consistently with your values is the ultimate goal of acceptance and commitment therapy. It really turns out to be a, a great fit, in, in, in our opinion, for suicide prevention because it isn't focused on just a single diagnosis or a single presenting problem. Suicide, of course, is an issue that there isn't a single pathway towards suicide. It's a broad variety of different things that lead people to consider death intentionally. And ACT is nice in its ability to address virtually all of those things. I would say all of the things, actually. The protocol that we worked on developing is really uh, focused on helping people recover from a suicidal crisis. The, the protocol guides the use of acceptance and commitment therapy. So just to say, I don't feel like we have necessarily created a new therapy or that we're doing anything that is above and beyond or different from what 
a normal ACT therapist would do. Rather, the, the protocol we created and the research we've been doing is meant to guide the therapist in applying different ACT techniques to address the issue of recovery from suicidal crises. So ACT was created by Hayes, Strossel, and Wilson. And a lot of what we're doing is drawn from the larger kind of ACT literature and community. The ACT for Life protocol really just guides the clinician in the use of different kind of ACT metaphors and experiential exercises that are specifically applied to suicide prevention and functional recovery from a suicidal crisis. It's really designed to help patients learn to work more flexibly with emotional and physical pain while also intentionally building a vital and meaningful life. Well, that's really a helpful kind of orientation to the the framework that you were using and where it came from and why it might be effective. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you were doing in your study? Sure. Maybe I'll start off by just saying it's really had some strong collaborators in this work. Lauren Borges, Nazi Barani, Jeff Smith, Robin Walser, and Debbie. I know that we work together, you know, considering uh, act and suicide over time too. And the protocol was developed through a, a formative evaluation where basically we proposed an initial kind of outline of what we might do if we had three hours, three contact hours with the client while they were hospitalized. And then we sent it around and asked um, the same question to experts in the field about, you know, kind of what would their goals be if they only had about three contact hours with a client who had been hospitalized for suicide. Part of the motivation for focusing on people who were hospitalized is that I think particularly within the acceptance and commitment therapy community and CBS community at large, hospitalization isn't always viewed positively. You know, there are arguments that can be made against it in terms of it taking people out of their natural environment and being useful in like some some real select situations. So we wanted to think about how we could really use it as an opportunity to help someone pause and shift what they're doing and then engage in care. So we took the feedback that we got from experts and kind of created this protocol that we used in a pilot study. The paper for that pilot study was published in the Journal of Contextual Behavioral Science. This year it came out. We'll include a link to it in the show notes. But the protocol itself that we used in the pilot was like two to four individual inpatient sessions. And then more recently, we've added one to four outpatient telehealth sessions to promote skills generalization and uh, treatment engagement with longer-term outpatient providers. If you could tell us a little bit more about what you're doing in the protocol, that'd be awesome. Okay, so uh, the protocol itself is process-based, like ACT, which basically means that there's this clear kind of framework and treatment intentions, but the clinicians ideally selecting therapy procedures like metaphors and experiential exercises that are really responsive to what the individual patient is presenting with, and ideally targeting the factors that are maintaining the patient's suicide risk. And the sort of structure that we use overall encompasses three different primary modules around trying to help initially join with the client to really undermine the control agenda, this idea that a lot of times our attempts to avoid unwanted, particularly internal experiences work in the short term, but cause problems and keep us stuck in the long term. And we really view suicide as as one of these problem-solving strategies. So we do our best to help people understand what suicide is and really empathize with the desire to, to end suffering by suicide while also helping them turn toward 
willingness and values-based living as an alternative to suicide. So that's the, the first module. And then the other ones really map onto sort of bread and butter act techniques were around like teaching skills to change someone's relationship with their pain. That's in this case, particularly the pain underlying the, their desire for death. So that includes more of the kind of mindfulness work, things along those lines. The last module is focused on really building life more. It's really focused on helping the client identify and frequently engage in values, consistent behaviors. So instead of thinking about how they can avoid pain or how they can escape their problems, starting to think about what would be something meaningful that they could do today, even on the inpatient unit. And over time, helping them, them really map out what that might mean for their sort of discharge planning and their outpatient treatment. As I mentioned before, we've added a fourth module since we did the pilot trial, which is a continuation of what I mentioned above, but is focused on generalizing those skills and, and checking in to see how their plan that they made on the inpatient unit around their recovery is actually going for them, helping them problem solve issues and really promoting treatment engagement. So that's the overall structure of the intervention, but it's much more kind of fluid than a session one, you do this, session two, you do this type of interview. Yeah. And as an ACT clinician myself, I really like that framework because it covers control and how we relate to pain and then also changes and, and values. And it does it in that flexible, very client-centered way. So you've been doing some research on this, putting it into practice with veterans who are yeah. on an inpatient unit. Can you tell us, and, and you mentioned that study that you just came out with in the Journal of Contextual Behavioral Science. Can you tell us what you're finding so far with your research? Yeah, sure. After we did that initial kind of formative evaluation and created the protocol, we were fortunate enough to get funding from the VA's Rehabilitation Research and Development to do a pilot trial to make sure that the intervention was meeting veterans' needs. They found it to be acceptable to make sure that we could do what we were intending to in the course of a brief inpatient stay and to make sure that the methods we were hoping to use for a larger efficacy trial were also feasible. So those were some of the, the initial goals for a pilot trial that we did. And we recently published this article, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Promote Recovery from Suicidal Crises, a Randomized Controlled Acceptability and Feasibility Trial of Act for Life. And overall, the, the findings were really positive. We ended up randomizing 70 participants to either treatment as usual or treatment as usual plus Act for Life. And overall, veterans found that the, the intervention really met their needs. They rated it as being highly acceptable. They also said that they would recommend it to the others. They believed that others would benefit from it. And they, they said that if possible, they would continue participating in it. But that was part of the reason that we've added this fourth module is that there was this voice desire to continue on a bit more with the work that we were doing. We only had out of... 30 participants who we interviewed who participated in the intervention, only one person said that they wouldn't recommend it uh, to someone else. And that was someone who dropped out of the intervention. And the same thing with, in terms of like believing that they benefited from it, there was one other person who dropped out after 15 minutes who felt obviously like they hadn't benefited from it. And then when we talked to them about their reasons for discontinuing, one person said that they felt it was an anomaly that they had engaged in suicidal behavior and they didn't intend to do it again and didn't really feel relevant for them. Another person was 
really not willing to discuss the family issues that were driving his desire for death. We did, you know, some quantitative research around it and then also qualitative research. And, and there were some great, you know, quotes from veterans that came out and, and some themes really stood out in that. One veteran said that I can live with my suicidal thoughts differently. I don't have to follow through with it. They can just be there. I don't have to fight with them. We found that some of the themes said that we met participants' needs. The change that they described really aligned with the theoretical approach and goals of the intervention. We weren't quite sure about the, the format. You know, obviously for dissemination, sometimes group treatment is more practical. You can reach more veterans or, you know, patients in a less amount of time and it costs less. But we really felt like individual treatment and a really individualized approach to the intervention, like really meeting that veteran's specific needs, was critical to being able to make meaningful change in the long run. And the qualitative data we got back really supported this idea that the individual format and intensity and depth of the intervention were appreciated and different than veterans' past treatment experiences. So yeah, overall, yeah. the results of the pilot trial were really encouraging. Yeah, that seems really promising that people were benefiting from it and it seemed like a good fit for a lot of people. One other uh, comment that I quote that really stood out to me were themes along veterans finding that they were connecting with more of a sense of value in their life. So one person said, the intervention really let me know that I have values and goals and a purpose. I think that speaks to something that's somewhat unique in the approach we're taking and, and really trying to help clients build meaningful, vital lives in addition to you know keeping them alive. Well, I love that. That's a really nice thing to hear from one of the veterans in the study, because I think when you're using an ACT approach, that's what it's all about, is helping clients have that meaningful, vital life. So could you talk a little bit about the role of values in suicide prevention, Sean, and how you help clients build a life worth living? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think the field of suicidology in general and suicide prevention has made really great strides in, in terms of helping people survive suicidal crises and keep people from attempting suicide. But ultimately, we fall short of what we're hoping for them if that's where treatment ends. And I think ultimately, we need people to feel like they're building a life that they'll choose to live and that they'd be willing to work hard to live. So when we talk about values and acceptance and commitment therapy, it's like ways of being, like who you want to be in the world, what kind of an impact you might want to have. You know, we assess that in veterans, both looking at the pain that they experience and what that ultimately means about what they care about, and hopefully reconnecting with if they had times in life where it felt more vital and rich for them, figuring out what life was about back then. And then we work with them to start doing things that are consistent with those values, uh, like the next day. So every session we do, we call it a, a meaningful move. They get called bold moves or committed actions where someone says, I'm going to do this on the inpatient unit in the next 24 hours because I value X. And ultimately that's a, a skill that we're hoping they'll, they'll extend and continue to use as an outpatient so that their life becomes more focused on pursuing the things and, and being the way that they want to be in life, as opposed to not experiencing pain. I think that's a really unique framework that ACT really emphasizes the values piece. What are some of the other unique features of the ACT approach to suicide prevention? I, I think 
One thing that that sets ACT uh, apart from some other more cognitively focused therapies is that rather than trying to restructure thoughts or, or change thoughts or examine the accuracy of thoughts, ACT is more about changing the patient's relationship with their thoughts. So being able to see their thoughts as thoughts rather than immediately reacting to them as the the reality that they need to move forward on. So it's it's about getting distance from your experience and, and viewing your experience before acting rather than necessarily changing your experience of pain or preventing um, someone from having thoughts that are unwanted. That actually came out in the qualitative data too. So one veteran commented that the the biggest change that happened was this realization that you don't have to constantly struggle with your negative thoughts or emotions in order to overcome them. You can find ways to move on with the rest of your life and and kind of put those on the back burner so they're not in your face all the time. I think a, a lot of the clients we worked with found it really freeing that they didn't need to stop having thoughts about suicide before they could start living their life particularly for people who have pretty chronic thoughts about suicide. And it's unlikely that we're going to prevent that from happening in the future. So helping them relate to those thoughts differently and see them like, oh, there's one of my suicidal thoughts. But rather than needing to hold on to it and spiral into planning suicide or evaluating life, hopefully they can continue on with what they're doing in the moment that um, matters to them. Yeah. That is a unique feature. I think it's a quite a shift from what maybe people have been taught in the past. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, this is great, Sean. It seems really promising so far. And I know you're continuing with this line of research. What are what's ahead for you? What are you working on next? So the the next thing we're really focused on is a, a larger study that's looking at the efficacy of Act for Life, really trying to determine whether it works and whether it's worth investing in and hopefully being something that the the VA or other healthcare systems might adopt. From the initial trial that that we published, we learned that veterans perceived the intervention to be beneficial and we were able to do what we set out to do in terms of delivering the intervention. But we don't know if it works in terms of actually decreasing the frequency of suicidal behavior or improving people's functioning after they're discharged. So we were funded for a four-year efficacy trial, again, through through VA Office of Rehabilitation Research and Development. And we were uh, going to be enrolling participants at two different sites, again, focusing on people who are coming in as inpatients. We need a pretty large sample to look at suicidal behavior. So we're aiming to enroll 278 people. And also, rather than just comparing it to treatment as usual, we're comparing it to another active intervention that should have a lot of benefit in its own right and is a little bit easier to train people in. So it'll really be a, a great test of whether the, the investment in extra training to, to teach a clinician how to do acceptance and commitment therapy and how to do an intervention that is a little bit more complex is worthwhile. The other thing that I'm you know hoping for is we're, we're pretty focused on the protocol that we have right now is a research protocol focused on starting with someone inpatient. I'm uh, looking forward to working on more of a manual that'd be ready for like broader dissemination and, and hopefully be a little bit more generalizable to, to doing this type of work without patients as well. Um, we're also doing some some trainings. I think the next one that we have coming up, like if you wanted to learn more about acceptance and commitment therapy and 
and considering how to apply that to suicide prevention is we had a, a ticketed workshop accepted for the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies convention, and that's coming up this uh, November. So keep an eye out for that if you're a provider who would want to learn a bit more about actually doing this kind of work. Well, this is excellent, Sean. Good luck with your research. Really looking forward to seeing how it unfolds in the years ahead and to learning more. So thank you very much for talking to us today and for doing this important research. Uh, You're so welcome. And Debbie, I think I am very grateful to have you as a a collaborator too. And as someone who's taught me a lot about acceptance and commitment therapy and is really helping to, to drive this work. So thanks for the opportunity to talk more about it today. And I'm hopeful that we're headed in a direction of contributing something that'll help change people's lives. Likewise, Sean, and thank you very much. That's it for this episode. You can find more short takes on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the show and give us a review. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at rmyrec. We'll see you then. Take care. Short Takes on Suicide Prevention is an informational podcast and not a substitute for mental health care. If you are having an emergency, call 911 or reach out to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. And for veterans or service members, press 1. This podcast does not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the United States government.